Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 165 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free Podcast. On today's episode, we're diving into back-to-school routines. This time of year can get so crazy. We're coming off of summertime where things are a little bit lazier, a little bit more laid back, and we've got to get back into the swing of things. And so we're going to talk about that today because I know it can feel a little concerning and a little scary and maybe a little trepidatious going into the new school year. I know we have a little bit of anxiety in our household as we go back into a new grade or have new teachers or wonder who's going to be in our classes. So when we have routines in place, it kind of takes the first layer of that anxiety away so that we can really focus on going back to school instead of that unknown, right? And so by the end of this episode, you're going to have practical tips for creating a routine that works for you and your family and understand why it's so important to establish these routines in the first place. And I'll give you some examples so you don't have to start from scratch or reinvent the wheel, so to speak. But before I get ahead of myself, I want to say a big thank you for joining me today. I know life is busy, especially in the summer, as we just talked about, and I am honored that you are taking some time to join me for this episode. If it is your first time here, well, welcome. I will do my best to give you examples and strategies that you can take with you into your everyday life and make this next 30 to 45 minutes helpful for you. I want to be someone who inspires you into taking action because nothing is going to change for you if you just listen to me talk, but don't do anything with this information. And speaking of wanting to be a resource for you, reach out and let me know how I can be of more help to you. Is there a topic you'd love me to cover? Do you have a question you'd like me to address? What are your burning issues that you need help with? I am filling out my fall calendar right now, so I am all ears. Just let me know. If you want to keep it private, you can DM me on Instagram. You can message me on Facebook. In both places, I'm at Wannabe Clutter Free. You can comment on this post on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 165. That's where the show notes will be and additional resources will be there too. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 165 if you want to check those out. And you can also leave a comment for this episode if you're listening on Spotify. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, can you please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review for the show? You can actually rate the show on most podcast listening apps, but you can leave the review on Apple Podcasts and it really helps me out. I got a review this week from Happy in Love 11, and they said, quote, love her energy. Deanna brings such a fresh energy to minimalism and living simply. Her suggestions are realistic and encouraging. Lately, this is the podcast I am listening to most for inspiration, end quote. 
Thank you so much, Happy and Love 11. I am thrilled to hear that you are enjoying the show. Reviews like this mean so much to me, and not only do they help keep me going, they are what help me reach more listeners and get more amazing guests on the show for you too. So it means the world to me when you leave a review. So thank you, thank you, thank you really so much. And now let's get back to today's topic, back to school routines. Let's kick things off by talking about why routines are like magical tools for both parents and kids during back to school time. Of course, routines work anytime, not just in the fall, but as we're coming off of the more unstructured days of summer, this is a great fresh start for re-examining what's working in your life and what you want to adjust. I spoke about fresh starts on episode 163, so if you didn't catch it, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check it out, but just go back two episodes. And that way you can learn how to take advantage of these fresh starts for jumpstarting positive changes in your life. But back to routines. The thing is, routines provide a sense of structure and predictability, which is exactly what kids thrive on, especially when they are younger. But to be honest, as much as we push back against routines as adults as we get older, they really help all of us thrive. They help reduce stress and anxiety by providing a sense of what to expect each day. And a daily win with routines is that they make mornings a whole lot less crazy. But one of my favorite things about routines is actually that they foster a sense of responsibility and independence in kids, which of course we all know is an essential life skill. And like I briefly hinted at, routines aren't just for kids. They are your secret weapon too. Good routines help you manage your time more efficiently and reduce decision fatigue. When you have a set routine, you are less likely to forget things like signing permission slips or packing a lunchbox. Plus, they provide those precious moments of connection with your kids that might be missed otherwise in the chaotic whirlwinds of the morning. It puts us all on the same page. It gives us those touch points when we know where people are going to be at a certain time, and so we are able to then connect. So it is a win-win for everyone. So now that you're convinced that routines are awesome, did you need much convincing? Probably not. You are listening to an episode that is talking about routines. Where do we even start with this year's school routine? Well, tip number one is to start resetting early. We are coming off a long period without much structure in our home, and that's by design. I love that we are able to chill and we go with the flow and the summer is just a little more laid back and we don't really have very structured times and we have different things we really want to do and we create a bucket list and we factor those in. But on a day-to-day basis, we she wakes up late, we just hang out in the morning and it gives us just that kind of moment of just kind of chilling, right? Which works really well. So like I said, she's been sleeping in, she's been staying up later, our eating times are a little bit out of whack. So to jump right back into the full routine Monday morning, because we start school in another week, and so without any adjustment time, it would be really tough on everyone. So we start small and we build gradually. We in- introduce one or two elements into our regular of our regular routine back into our daily schedule. Now, what this does is it gives your family time to adjust. So again, for us, that means gradually getting her and my bedtime back to a more reasonable time. So yes, I also include my bedtime here because as she goes to bed later, 
I go to bed later too, right? I still want my time in the evenings to watch the shows I want to watch, to catch up on work things at the end of the day, catching up on my emails, catching up on the chores of the house. Like those kinds of things still happen and they just kind of get pushed to the side, especially in the summer because I don't want to spend the time I have with her doing those things. So I stay up later too, and I also need to go to bed earlier. As we move her bedtime back to the more reasonable school time, then mine gets to go back as well. So I also start to wake her up a little bit earlier each morning until we get to our normal school morning wake-up time. Okay, that was kind of a mouthful, but hopefully that made sense. So if school starts on Monday, I will start to do like Thursday and Friday as my goal to have her back to her regular wake-up time. And then we have the weekend and then we're back into it for the real the real thing. It's like dress rehearsal Thursday and Friday, have a break on Saturday, Sunday, and then we are in it for school on Monday. Our meal times are also getting readjusted back to regular times. And I add in more structured activities like reading, reviewing math facts, things like that. These are the things we want to start bringing back in. And I might just start asking the math questions as we're doing things around the house. So if I'm cutting up the pizza, I can start to ask her about fractions since we were working on that last year. And when we can bake some things and we can work on the cups and the measuring of the fractional cups and things like that. So I try to just work those things in and be more cognizant of it the week before. Because again, not I'm not always doing this kind of stuff, but I really try the week before to just to get a few of those refreshers back in. And she loves reading. So she's been reading all summer. So I don't have to worry too much about that. But if your kids are big snackers, it's also a really good idea to structure those as well. Because when they go back into the classroom, there's probably going to be longer periods of time between eating. So they might be used to going to the pantry and grabbing a snack anytime they want. Well, that's not going to be possible when they are back in the classroom. So saying, okay, now it's snack time, trying to line it up a little bit more with their school schedule will just really help them get back into the groove once school actually does start. The idea here is to pick one or two things to work on each day until you are back into your regular routine. So again, we don't have to be doing this for weeks before, even if it's just one week before school starts or even just a few days it really, just small little adjustments will really help. So if you're listening to this and saying, but I don't have a regular routine, no worries, we're gonna get there. We're gonna talk about routines a little bit later. But if you had a routine and you're kind of shaking off the dust from the summer, this is where I recommend you start. So that's tip number one, start resetting early. Tip number two is to take stock of what worked last year. So even if you don't think you have a routine, I want you to think back to last school year and see if there was anything that worked well for you and your family. All right, this could be anything under the sun. Maybe it was how you set up your snack drawer so that your kids could help you by picking out what they wanted to eat for their snacks in the morning. Maybe they're a little bit older and they were helping you pack lunches and you really liked that. Maybe it was the bedtime that you picked and it worked well for everyone in the house. Maybe the carpool was a success. Maybe your kids walked to school and that worked really well. Maybe they, over the summer, met a new friend in the neighborhood, and you can plan to walk together now with this new family. That wasn't something that worked last year, but maybe it came up this summer, and you're like, okay, great, I want to make sure that I work that in. So that is the idea here, right? Find those things that worked, lean into them, do them again. Then you can also, as you're thinking about this, think about things that didn't work last year, and you can think, how can we eliminate those, or how can we adjust them to make them work a little bit better? So that's tip number two, take stock of what worked last year. 
Tip number three is to make a list of all the things you need to do. Okay, I'm going to start by saying that I get mixed reviews when I tell people to make a giant list of everything, all the things. This is the way my brain works. I need to get everything out of my brain and onto the page or the computer or the phone screen. That works too. So I like to get it all out because I like to see those details. That way, when I see those details, I can make a plan. So if this is overwhelming for you, that is okay. We can modify it. You don't have to do things exactly like I do it, but I do like to tell you what works for me because oftentimes if something works for someone, it might work for you too. So if you are like me and you want to go through this and be really thorough, then sit down for 15 minutes and write it all down. Think about all the things you need to do, right? Now there's going to be a giant list and don't get overwhelmed by this. We will break it down. We will make it functional. We will make it work for you. But I do like getting it all out of my head. So think about the week before school starts, right? What do you need to do? Like this is going to be finishing up back to school shopping, making sure you have all the supplies, getting classroom assignments and class schedules, doing a deep clean of the lunchbox and the backpack, checking to see if those things can be reused. If not, making sure you have a plan to get new ones before school starts, getting anything that you need for the first day. Like maybe you want to do a first day picture and you want to have a chalkboard or a corkboard or a prop or a printout or whatever you want to do. You do you, do whatever you want to do, and then make the list of all those things you can think about for the week before school starts or even the month before school starts if you still have more time. Then I want you to make a list for the first week of school. Now, the first week of school for us has quite a few things going on. So look at the logistics of how you're getting to school. What time do you need to leave? If you want to get photos, especially on that first day, all the other families, not all the other families, but a lot of the other families are coming early that morning to also take pictures. So leave yourself a 10 extra minutes and try to get there early for those photos. If you can and you want to walk your children to class, by the time they get to junior high and high school, they will just want you to drop them off and take no pictures and leave them alone. But if you still have elementary school kids like I do, uh, we'll still be walking her to class and that kind of stuff. Then you want to know what lunches do you want to pack, getting those groceries ready. You want to set out your clothes, any activities happening in that first week. Like for us, we have a school picnic, we have PTA events, we have back to school night, and so on. That's all in the first week. So it is a jam-packed week in and of itself, and that is right after we've already gotten these routines started to be established. So it's great to know what's going to happen because... If you don't know, you're going to be blindsided. So try to get it all out there. Try to make sure you make a plan for all of these things. And then finally, I want you to make a list for going forward, right? So we're not just talking about this first week. We're not just talking about those kinds of things. I want you to make this and be successful throughout the whole school year. So get a copy of the school calendar, write down any scheduled events, make a note of school breaks, back to school night. Like I said, ours is the first week after school activities, put a reminder on your calendar to reach out to any families. Like your kid might come home and say, hey, I made a new friend today and it might be somebody new to the school. Well, put a calendar reminder on your phone to reach out to these new families. Now, I like to put this um, not that first week, right? Because you just heard all those things that happened in the first week for us. So I actually let people settle in a little bit before I bombard them for like, hey, let's do a play date. 
So I'll wait and go this like later half of the second week, maybe even the third week. Just let everybody settle in, make sure that they're still getting along in class and everything's going well. So, but I do like to put those in my calendar right away because it is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day activities. And then those things like lining up those play dates or signing up for an after-school class, well, they can get forgotten. So I just put little reminders in my calendar and it just dings my brain to say, oh yeah, right, don't forget that. And then I can take care of it later. But right now I'm in planning mode. So right now is when all those things are going on my calendar and I want to make sure I mark them now. So that's how I plan for our first three weeks of back to school and then going forward. But if you are not like me and you don't want to list all the things and if doing that overwhelms you, well then I want you to create a list just for the must-dos. And then I want you to update that list on a weekly basis. Now, this will make sure that those big things don't get missed, but you're not going to have to worry about the future things right now. Just make sure that you put a reminder on your phone to actually check in on a regular basis. So I like weekly. You can do this every Friday afternoon or Sunday evening. Those are the most popular times I see. Oftentimes people like to do it on Friday because it just lets them turn off then for the whole weekend and then they can just check back in on Sunday night just to look at their calendar before they go to bed or before they wind down for the day. But this way, you can make sure that those big things are not slipping through the cracks and you won't just miss them because we get busy just in our day-to-day life, okay? So that is tip number three, making a list of all the things you need to do. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and I have five more tips for you for creating your back-to-school routine. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back. All right, so we just talked about creating the list of all the things you need to do to go back to school. Now let's talk about your actual morning routine. Now I like to start with mornings because if our days don't start well, well, it kind of makes it hard to make the rest of the day a success. So we need to determine how much time we actually need for our morning routines. 
So one of the things you can do, again, go back to these lists. Let's list out all the things that have to happen in order for you to get out of your house. And then I like to work backwards. So what I do is I start with the time that we have to leave the house. And then from there, work back to include all the things you need to do in order to leave the house and be on time. So let's look at an example from our home. For us, we leave the house at 7.45 in the morning to be at school for an 8 a.m. start. Yes, I know we are very lucky to be so close to school and I am enjoying it while I can because when elementary school is over, we will have a longer commute to junior high and high school. So I work backwards through our routine. Let's think what we do. So if I need to leave by 7.45, what do I do right before then? Well, we put, well, what does my daughter do right before then? Let's say that. Well, she has to get her shoes on. Takes about five minutes. She has to brush her hair. That takes about five minutes. She brushes her teeth and she goes to the bathroom. I'm going to give that another five minutes. She packs her lunch, which usually I still put together, but she grabs her snack and fills up her water bottle and then grabs the lunch pack and puts it in her backpack. That takes about three minutes. She eats breakfast. That takes about 15 minutes. I'm putting a 15 minutes there because that gives us time to chat and like connect in the morning and I want that to have a little bit more time. She has to get dressed. That takes about five minutes. She wakes up and has snooze time for about 10 minutes. So we're still transitioning from her waking herself up, but I like still going in there and giving her like good morning vibes. I like to give her like a happy good morning. So we give ourselves 10 minutes for that. So if I add all of these up, it's 48 minutes. So I'm going to say between 45 and 50 minutes. And so that means for a 7.45 a.m. departure, our daughter needs to be getting up at about 7 a.m. Perfectly doable, right? This seems like a very low-key, mellow morning, not a super early start, and doable for all of us. And I've rounded those minutes up for every activity, so we're not scrambling and rushing around in the morning. Now, this also means that I am more or less ready for the day when she gets up at 7. So before her wake-up time, and the reason it's easier for me to calmly wake her up It's because I've already been up for at least an hour. I try to meditate, work out, shower, and get dressed and have a cup of coffee. If I don't finish my coffee, it's still hot when I go to wake her up. If I want to work in the morning, I actually get up even earlier than that. So I'm not 100% ready to walk out the door when I get her up, but I'm 75 to 80% there. And that relieves a lot of the stress of me rushing too. And that's where I find the hiccup the most is if I'm rushing, then I create a level of stress in the house and it permeates through everyone else. And then if there's an emergency, right, when I'm already 75 to 80% there, if an emergency comes up, forgotten thing needed for school, right? So we've got to like scramble and work something in. We forgot a permission slip. We forgot to do something. We forgot to unpack the Wednesday folder, whatever it is. We have a little extra wiggle time. Or if there's a spill that needs to be cleaned up, toothpaste gets on clothes, something happens, right? It's easier to deal with when we have a little bit of wiggle room, when we're not stressed out already, and we're already mostly ready ourselves. So that is tip number four. Determine how much time that morning stuff is going to take and then work backwards from your departure time. And that will give you your wake up time and the time you know you need to start having everyone else ready. Tip number five is to use when, then statements for getting things done. Okay, so let me explain what this means. If routines are new in your home, or you're looking for a better one, or your kids are struggling to get on board, then I recommend using when, then statements. A when, then statement 
is like that book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. So we've read this book, right? You give the mouse a cookie, then he's going to want a glass of milk. Wait, yeah, if you give a mouse a cookie, then he's going to want a glass of milk. And on and on and on and on, right? One thing happens and it triggers the next domino. So when we use these statements to set up routines, we're going to say when this happens, then this happens. It sets up the next step of what we want to happen. So of course, I'm going to give you some examples. So here's how one routine might work. And you're setting this up for your kids. You're going to do it from their perspective. So you can instruct your kids to say things like, when I get up, then I will get dressed. When I am dressed, then I will eat breakfast. When breakfast is done, then I will go to the bathroom, wash my hands, brush my teeth, wash my face, and brush my hair. When I am done in the bathroom, then I will pack my backpack. When my backpack is ready, then I will put on my shoes. So these when-then statements are great. Kids really like to know what the next step is, and so this gives them that routine and starts to build it in their head, and they can start to repeat these things over and over again. But it's not just that daily routine. These can also be used for rewards, like TV time after cleaning your room. When I clean up my room, then I get to watch 20 minutes of TV, or then I get 20 minutes of game time. Or it could be a fun activity after a week of following a new routine. When I follow this new routine for five days, then we get to go do this fun activity on the weekend. And then the good part is, if the kids don't hold up their end of the bargain, if they don't do that when part of the statement, the then part doesn't happen. And if we follow through with that, they will see that there are consequences for their actions. So it's just another life skill we get to build in. And it gets to be on the back of these statements. And you can even write them down so everybody knows. We're going to get there in a second. Okay, so that is one of my favorite ways to set up morning routines. It's going to help you with how long things take and then the actual routine itself. All right, so that's tip number five is to use those when-then statements. Tip number six is to create an afternoon and evening routine as well. So using these same strategies... I want you to mark out things that will help your afternoons and your evenings flow better. We already talked about how a great day, when it starts off right, it makes the rest of the day go well. If your morning starts off chaotic, it really causes chaos throughout the rest of your day. But I am a firm believer that our good mornings start with a good night the night before. So afternoon and evening routines are just as important as morning routines. I think sometimes they can get thrown to the wayside because, again, the chaos of the day has already started and we get to the end and we're like, oh, I'm just, I just want to like do nothing and veg out in front of the TV. Trust me, I get that. But if we can be aware of the fact that our tomorrow will be better when we have a better evening routine, that will just give us the motivation to really hammer it out. Okay, so using some of these same strategies, let's make your afternoons and evenings flow better. The good thing is our evening routines can actually start right after our kids get home from school. We can have the whole second half of the day is considered one routine. You can break them up to afternoon and evening routines, whatever works best for you. But the point is we want these routines to become a habit, right? We want them to be day in, day out, things we do on a regular basis so that they just become part of our life, right? We're not actually having to stop and think about what to do next. It helps things flow. Everybody knows what's expected of them. And there's a lot less stress and just that anxiety and that angst of someone else telling us what to do when it's just, this is just how things happen. And it's amazing how when this is just how things happen, things happen that way. 
And please know that all of these are personalizable. You create what you want to have happen in your home, but I'm going to give you some examples of an afternoon evening routine. This is pretty similar to what we do in our home. I mean, things have adjusted because we may have after school activities on a few days. And again, these don't have to be every single day. So let's walk through that in a minute. So here's an example. Let's say your kids get home from school at 3 p.m. Well, they can have a snack. They can do their homework. They can There can be playtime together. And then at about 5 o'clock, parents can cook dinner while the kids play. Or what I've seen work really well is one parent cooks dinner and the other parent is managing the bath for all the kids and making sure that they get bathed and showered before dinner. And then everyone can sit down to dinner at around 6 o'clock. I'm a big fan of family dinner time. I do. We try really hard to sit around the table every night. Sometimes we get in the bad habit of watching something, but it's one of those great fresh starts for the new year. We can always say like, okay, nope, new school year, we're back at the table because sometimes those summer plans can get a little lackadaisical and we can end up in front of the TV watching a movie instead of sitting around the table and having those good conversations because we already know what has happened. We've been together all day. So uh, this way, it gets us back into that routine of actually sitting around the dinner table. And then around 6.30, by the time we're done, we do our five-minute tidy up. So one parent will clean the dishes and the other parent will race our daughter around the home to pick uh, to pick things up, right? So we clean up and we tidy. We tidy up the things we've had out. Just make sure the house is reset, right? Just reset for the next day. It allows us to chill out. And then that gives us about an hour, 45 minutes or so to kick back, play a game, watch a show, do whatever we want. If you want to be really prepared for the next day, you can lay out clothes for the next day. If you haven't done the bath or the shower, this is when that can happen. Put on pajamas if that hasn't happened, brush teeth, and then do book or quiet time. And then have lights out at 8 p.m. And that's a pretty reasonable afternoon routine. That's kind of an everyday routine. If your kids are in after-school activities, our daughter does some after-school things, those aren't going to be every day. So this is like the non-after-school activity day. The after-school activity day might be me picking her up from school, having the snack in the car, going to the activity, and then coming home and doing the shower and the dinner and all those things. Now, on those nights, we might be out a little bit later. So we might skip the after-dinner TV show or we might skip the after-dinner game because we've already used up that time doing a fun activity like softball or soccer or lacrosse or swimming or basketball or baseball, whatever it is that your kids might be doing. And so we don't have the time to have those games, but we've already done the fun things by doing the after-school activity. Okay. So that's how you can work in an afternoon evening routine. Again, if we're using the other uh, skills we've already learned, we're going to go ahead and start with our bedtime and then work backwards from there up until the time our kids get home from school and kind of fill in those times with just a ballpark plan so that you're not scrambling going, oh, what do I want to do? And the kid's going, mom, what do I need to do? Right? Okay. So that's how that works. Let's take another quick break. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast 
for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. All right, so tip number seven, I have a couple more tips for you, is to then review the routine with the entire family. Now, setting up routines is a whole family affair, so it is really important to make sure that everyone is involved. This includes your partner and your kids. Everyone should be involved in the planning process. Now, I also believe that it's a good idea to have kind of the the bones set out, right? So having the structure, having the outline, and then getting buy-in can also be a great way to start because if we start from scratch, it just feels daunting for everyone else. So I would highly recommend going through all the steps we just talked about and then sitting down with your ballpark plan and saying, okay, here's what I'm thinking our afternoons or our morning should be like. What do you guys think? It's a really great way to make sure everyone's on the same page, make sure everyone knows what's going on, make sure there's buy-in, and if there's a hiccup or you're not available, maybe you go out of town, maybe something happens and you are just not home, maybe you get sick and you're not available for the morning routine, if it mostly sits on your shoulders, it mostly sits on my shoulders in our home. My husband's a big help, so I'm not saying that at all, you know, but generally I'm the one kind of running the kitchen and running the whole thing. So this way, this system won't go off the rails, though. They know how to help. They know what the plan is. They know what's expected. And the kids also know what's expected of them. So it just keeps everybody on the same page and things running smoothly. And then also when the kids have a say in their routine, they are more likely to embrace it, right? None of us like to be told what to do. Kids, adults, all of us combined. So it's really great to get that buy-in. Have that. Let them have a say. They'll be more excited about it. And it's also a great opportunity to teach them about time management and responsibility. And these, of course, are things we want them to be able to practice at home 
when the stakes are low. If they forget a water bottle in elementary school, well, it's not that big a deal. You can bring them one or they can use the water fountain. They have cups at our school so the kids can use the cups at the water fountain. It's really not the end of the world and they're only gone for six hours. But let's say they get older and they forget to bring their ID to the airport when they're in college. Well, that's a tougher situation. That might result in a missed flight, might be added expenses. These are just examples. I was just at the airport, so the airport kind of came to mind. But it's really good to teach your kids how to make mistakes or learn from their mistakes and let them do that. Like I said, when the stakes are low, when it's easy to recover, when it's not as big of a deal and the repercussions are you know, fixable. It's not a big hurdle to overcome. So that's tip number seven. Review the routine with the whole family, get everyone on board, and then this way we can help teach our kids really valuable life skills and make sure everyone knows what is expected in the mornings. Tip number eight is to make the routine visual. So whether it's a colorful chart on the fridge, an app on your phone, making sure that everyone can see it, having a visual reminder of the day's activities can really help everyone stay on track. This could be a planner that you just leave out on the counter. It could be something you hang up on your wall. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be expensive. But if you'd like to go that route, you are free to do whatever you want. Again, it's your home. So once you've nailed down what your morning routine is and your evening and afternoon routines, it's nice to give them kind of a visual place to live. So keeping this all in your head, Ooh, especially when the whole family's in on it, I mean, kids included, it's not going to cut it, right? You can't keep it all in your head and nor should you. You shouldn't be expected to be the keeper of all the things and putting it out somewhere where everybody can see it makes everybody a manager of it. So think about whipping up a morning or an evening checklist. You could do a cool daily chart. You could get fancy with a magnet powered chore chart and I'll list one in the show notes. Like I said, you could just put it on notebook paper. You could have your kids help create one. If they're artistic, have them write down the routine and have them get it on board. But just make sure it is out there so that everyone can see it. And so everybody's working from the same routine. And then the last tip I want to talk about, um, it's tip number nine, and I actually didn't write this down, but it just came to me as I was thinking this, was to make sure that you give yourself some wiggle room. I think we can get so caught up in trying to be perfect that we need to step back. When we try to be perfect, something is going to fall, something is going to fail, and then we are going to want to throw the towel in and give up. And that is not what we are looking for here. We are not looking for perfection. That is not what I am about. I do not want you to be set up for failure. So I want you to give yourself, I read about this in Katie Milkman's book. I think I talked about her on the Fresh Starts episode, actually. actually, And it was talking about this idea to give yourself some emergency outs, right? Give yourself an emergency hall pass, basically. And so what you're going to say is, Five days a week. My goal is five days a week. We are going to follow this routine to a T. Here's my Monday, Thursday, Friday plan. Here's my Tuesday plan where the kids have this activity. Here's my Wednesday plan where the kids have this activity or school gets out early or whatever. This is my plan, right? This is what I want. This is perfection. However, I have one or two emergency hall passes a week. If something doesn't go right, then I can just turn in my emergency hall pass and say, you know what? No big deal. That didn't work today. We're going to try it again tomorrow. 
because we're never going to be perfect 100% of the time. And so in that vein, I also want you to shoot for an A minus work, right? 90% of doing that routine is going to be so much better than if we're just winging it on a daily basis, right? So be okay with A minus work. I've gotten used to saying A minus work in our house because I myself am okay if I have B plus work. If Honestly, if I even have B, B minus work, I'm fine. I was never okay with that in school. But our daughter is a perfectionist and I'm trying to just bring it down a little bit. She wants that 100%. So I'm trying to get her to that A minus of just like, it's okay, you're still doing great. Um, but just give yourself a little bit of a break. So I say A minus now in our home, but honestly, B minus is fine too. If you're starting from zero, think about going from zero to 80%. That is a total win. So give yourself that flexibility to grow into these things. Know that it's a staircase. Every new step is improvement. And if you can just move yourself up that staircase a little bit, it's going to make life easier. So we're gonna start with some routines. We're gonna plan out our perfect perfect routine. I was going to say perfection. We're going to plan out our perfect routine and then we're going to make sure that we cut ourselves some slack. And if it's not perfect, that is okay. Good is better than perfect, right? We were talking about that the other day with her, that perfection is the enemy of done. And just knowing that if we can get something out there, if we can be moving that needle forward, that is better than doing nothing. All right, so I hope you liked these routines, these tips for routines, creating some routines for your home, and I hope they help you as you go into the school year. And so with that, I want to turn it to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Have any favorite parts? Any big takeaways? How do you do back to school in your home? Remember, there are lots of ways to interact with me and this show, so pick your favorite. If it's Instagram or Facebook, send me a DM, tag me in your stories, comment on the post. I'm at wannabe clutter free on the social channels. If it's in a podcast app, leave a comment or a review. If it's traditional blogging, leave a comment on my website, wannabeclutterfree.com slash 165. I'll also have some resources there like a back to school checklist. You can also come on over to the wannabe minimalist family group on Facebook and share with the community there. There will be a discussion thread for this episode. And we of course would love to chat with you in the comments. I would just love to hear from you. And as always, thank you so much for joining me today. If you did make it this far, just a reminder, I would be thrilled if you left a rating and a review for the show. It only takes a minute, but it means the world to me. So thank you so much for helping me out. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you back here next week. I'm trying to get our daughter to sit down for an interview and get her take on stuff, what she loves, what she's fine giving up, what it's like to live with a mom who considers herself a low-key minimalist. Uh, Fingers crossed that that happens, but if not, you know I will have a good show for you. So hopefully you'll be hearing a fun interview between us, but if not, just come back and I will have something for you that is really good. Until next time, take care, think clutter-free, and remember, I believe in you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter Free. See you next week. Cheers. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 